from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Hanging out with you this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, having some fun. Happy Thursday, happy April 25th. For those of you like me that are going to see the movie tonight so nobody can spoil it for you, Avengers Endgame. It's April 25th. Now, the movie officially comes out on April 26th, but I'm going tonight so nobody can ruin it for me, and obviously I got to talk about it on Super Powered Pop, the brother show of Wake Up Call, the entertainment show that we have here with Dan Tortora Broadcast Media. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the show coming up right now here within 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's going to feature in the first hour my guy Eric Kroom, played for Syracuse, played for the NFL. He is a defensive lineman alum, and he will be with us this morning to talk about the NFL moves and the NFL draft. Happy to have him back. It's been way too long. It's not going to be this long after this. Always love having him on the show. And then we'll be catching up with some more family as former Syracuse defensive back and current coach out in Arizona, Darius Kelly, is going to be joining the show at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, because he'll be calling in from Arizona. And then to round out today's show, we'll be speaking with my alma mater in her first season as a head coach and first season at Marywood. Carrie Brown has guided Marywood women's lacrosse to a number one seed in the Atlantic East playoffs and she'll join the show at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So plenty of show packed into these two hours of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and I cannot thank you enough for being here. So let's bring him in. He's a dad to a beautiful little girl. She's going to be two this year, and we always appreciate having good people on the broadcast. So former football player who I respect and a dad who I respect and somebody I consider a friend, Eric Kroom, is with us right now. Mr. Kroom, how are we doing today? I'm great. How are you this morning? Doing very well, and, and and let's let's talk about the baby for a second here. How's she doing? What's going on with her? What's going on with her these days? Oh man, she's doing great. She's just keep getting bigger by the day, and just keep getting more intelligent by the day. It's just like the highlight of my life, just seeing her grow up. And it's just crazy seeing how she can work a tablet at one years old and do all these little cool neat things. So, uh, just brings joy to my life every day. So you said she can work a tablet at one. I, I can literally, I'm going to send you the video after we get off here and you won't believe it can work the tablet without me or her mother. At one? One, know how to get to all her apps, know how to do her little game, her YouTube kids, so it's it's amazing. That is, that that's that's insane. I don't even know if I know how to do it all. So, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome that she can, she can do it. What's her favorite thing to do on the app? Uh, she has this little learning game that do shapes uh, and colors, like they match up the shapes and colors. Me and her mom wanted to make sure she's getting her educational stuff. Also having fun with it, and she loves her YouTube kids. It'd be videos in different languages. It kills me every time. And for everybody that doesn't know here on the show, I always like to do our shout-outs. Uh, let everybody know your daughter's name. Uh, Jada Kroom. Jada Armani Kroom. At her dad, we share the same middle name. Jada Armani Kroom, and just for for you to be a father, you know everything that that you've done on the field, all those all those you know battles that you tried to win, all those games that you played, everything that you've done. What can you say? It, it, it does it compare at all? Can it compare at all to being a father, or is this the greatest thing that you've been able to do? Oh, I think nothing compares to being a parent. It's just like a different feeling because you never knew you could love someone. As more than yourself and you always put them first and it gives you a new purpose to life like football has a whole different type of feeling and meaning in my life but being the parent is like the greatest gift god ever gave me and to ha- to have that speaking here with eric Kroom this morning in the first hour of wake up call with dan tortora i i want to i want to give some respect and some appreciation to that you know that you know, I, I, I'm somebody who loves and appreciates, you know, when we could talk about faith on the show and share it on the show. So I just want to ask you, before we get started on the NFL and some of these pieces of the draft and whatnot, you know, the bigger picture, the bigger things, just what you can say about your faith and God's role in your life. Uh, my faith is very, 
big in my life and my family's life because when you come from bad situations and know that God has blessed you with the ability to change those circumstances, you have to know it has to be a higher purpose behind these things because I honestly sit back sometimes like, why am I worthy? I'm not the most talented guy. I'm not six foot eight or six foot five or things like that. But God gave me the ability to change my fortune and be able to educate myself with just my talent. So I knew it had to be a higher being and also blessing my family. Like we have roofs over our head. We never go without a meal. And even putting people in my life to help me learn new things and all that. So it got to be some type of higher power that has going on to put these great things in my life and give me the opportunity that was presented through me in all my 25 years. And, and to see that, like you said, you know, there's got to be something bigger. What adversity have you gone through? You know, maybe something you can share with us today that made you feel like, you know, there is somebody out there looking out for me because how could I have gotten through this? What What's one of those or maybe a couple of those stories that you really felt like somebody had to have been looking out for you? Uh, just even my upbringing, like my parents worked very hard, but we didn't have everything. We I grew up in a housing project, like next door, you get everything your neighbor's doing, seeing the violence, the drugs. That's me to persevere through that and know God had my back with that because I could have been easily the same people that I saw on the corner selling drugs or people getting the gang violence. And even just some small, like having a father, there was so many kids in my neighborhood that didn't have a father and I was blessed to have one who introduced me to sports. Like I would have never gotten into sports if it wasn't for my dad. And just even overcoming injuries in college, like I was hurt every year. Like be able to even get the opportunity to play in the NFL, I knew it had to be a guy because I literally had to rehab every off season. And when you have that, when you have that relationship, did you ever lose your faith? You know, did you ever have a moment where it, it fell away from you, or maybe you turned away, or you had a rough moment? I mean, can you can you go to any of those pieces, or you know, it, it maybe as as hard as something has gotten, you've never lost your faith? Oh, most definitely. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm a perfect person. I think everybody has questioned it once in a time, once a time in their life, and asked the question why. Then once you break it down, I'm like, why am I asking? Why I'm blessed? You know, I had opportunities to do this. Then you start appreciating things more if you ask why. Like, God has a plan for everybody. Just because somebody's destination might be further than yours or they might have more than you, that might have been their plan that God had planned for them. You might have a greater purpose. You just don't see it yet. So I had to start reevaluating my life and being more thankful for things because the things I've grown through, I knew it has to be a God to get me through those things because I lost my grandmother, my uncle, my best friend, and my grandfather in the, what, two or three year span. And I'm, so I like the battle of adversity. I'm like God has to have my back because you always act like why and I always have the good people, but I can't be selfish because I had them for the time I did. And you know, and, and obviously, I, I'm sorry for your your losses there, and and to to have you know that connection, like you said, to 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 be upset, you know, but to not turn completely away, and and to know that you know it, it's hard, but things happen, and they happen for a reason. We may not know those reasons but just to to come out of that and and be able to have that faith like you said losing people that are so close to you I mean my probably hardest time with grappling it with God was when I was six and back in 1992 I lost both of my grandfathers in the same year one in February one a week exactly before my birthday and to me it was it was the why and now, you know, almost 30 years later, I look up at God. I think about my grandfathers every single day. I still feel like I hear them. I see them. I feel like they raised, they, they continue to raise me somehow, some way, you know, they, they're getting through. And, you know, I can't appreciate that enough. And, and you talked about unanswered prayers where, you know, or not unanswered prayers, but, but that God doesn't always give us the answer we want. And there's a notion and a statement out there that God gives three answers to prayers. Yes, not yet, and I have something better in mind. What do you think about that statement? That sometimes he tells us, yeah, you can have what you're asking for. Sometimes he says you can have it, but you got to wait for it. And other times he says, you know what? I don't want to give this to you because it's not the best thing. You need to hold out for what I'm about to give you. What do you think about that? Oh, I think it's so true because a lot of times we don't see the big picture because it takes so long to get there. Or we say we're so focused on someone else's journey that we don't take time to appreciate our own journey. Like, of course, right now, I would still love to be playing football, but I had to think about it. God probably has a greater purpose for me because he know I do so well with kids. So maybe he put me in a position to keep working with these kids and help galvanize the next generation of kids. Like, I'm able to 
talk to kids, work with kids, with football-wise, and just personal life. So I've had to think about it like, you know, I am blessed. Maybe I don't have the fortune of money or still want to do to play football like I would like to, but I had the opportunity to. And he made me have a greater appreciation for things. So I had to just reevaluate things and just, you know, give, give God his grace and just praise him because you never know how you can affect somebody's life just off the conversation or things like that. Like, recently, I uh, had this lady come in and she was crying and I just bowed my head and prayed for her and she said that got her through the week and just be the small things. Like, man, my purpose may be greater than just being an athlete. And you never see it because I took a time where after football, I was in a funk, honestly, and I'm not afraid to, say, uh, afraid to say it like most athletes. When the game is over, you kind of be like, man, what do I do now? And I never really took a time to see all the other things I was good at because I was so focused on being an athlete the last 15 years of my life. So now I was like, man, God, I really got a plan for me because this, I'm starting to evaluate the things I really love to do and get more time with my family. So I'm like, it has to be a purpose behind everything. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's the thing is it's it's just, uh, you know, we, we think that we want something. We think that we need something. We think that, you know, that this is the best thing for us. This is where we have to be. This is what has to happen. But, you know, that's – I can't tell you how many times I've pretty much told God, you know, this is what I want. This is what it's going to be. You know, this is where I'm going. And then he said, no. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's just – I mean, it's – it's 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 the reality of it all is that he knows better and you know and, and I look back and it's the funny thing this past Easter and, and obviously you know on Easter uh, of all days it was kind of the perfect moment for something like this to happen but I was driving home from taking my mom out and spending some time with her and we went back to her house her new home which looks beautiful and she's doing a tremendous job on her own and I'm so proud of her and you know we were watching a movie together and when I left, I was driving, and I just kind of drove back to my church and sat in the parking lot. But on the way there, I, I, I had that moment. You know, I, I wept. I cried. And I said, I said to God, thank you for not answering some of those prayers that I asked you recently the way that I wanted you to answer them. You know, three, four weeks ago, I would have said, no, this is the answer I want. And then this time around, you know, now that I've had a few weeks with it and he didn't give me the answer I wanted, I was grateful. And so I went from crying over what I want to thanking God and crying and saying, you know, I appreciate the fact you didn't give it to me. So, you know, I think that that's grace in a way is that, you know, you kind of realize that what you don't get is sometimes the best thing for you. Exactly. So, I mean, you, said you learn to create greater appreciation because we're in the microwave generation. We want everything so fast. We don't want to work for what we really want and desire. Everything will we want everything given. Well, God, I prayed this, and why well, I'm not a millionaire, or why well, I'm not doing this and this. Nobody said it's not coming. You just got might have to work a little harder for it, or your journey might be a little different for it. So, like you said, we learned a greater appreciation for the things we do have and the things that he has gave us through the years. That coming from Eric Kroom, former Syracuse and NFL defensive lineman, talking about some deep stuff this morning, and I appreciate it, talking about God and family and, and, and how it all kind of comes together. And, you know, in, in the world of sports and, you know, obviously on Wake Up Call, our tagline where sports meets life is what it's always been. So I appreciate that conversation this morning. And to kind of bring it back to football and bring it back to the sports world, you know, it, it is so difficult and you don't know where you're going to end up. There's guys tonight that are, you know, you get those nerves. They want to get drafted. They want to get out there. They want to hear their name called. They want to walk across the stage. And at the same time, they're wondering, is this the right team? Is this the right fit? And then the teams on the other side, you know, are we taking this plunge the right way? Are we drafting the right person? So, you know, we look at the draft as whose name is going to get called and what is my team going to get. But the bigger picture of it all is the teams tonight and the players tonight are both taking a risk. They're both taking a leap of faith. They're both trying a new relationship that they've never had before. And so this to me is kind of the bigger moment picture is that, you know, Kyler Murray is saying, okay, if I go here, is it going to work out? And then the Cardinals are saying, hey, we just drafted a quarterback. So is this going to work out that we're changing this up this quickly? So, you know, everybody's taking a risk tonight, 
everybody's kind of, you know, throwing it out there and seeing, you know, casting the net and seeing what they bring back in, so to speak. You do your research, you do the best you can, but ultimately it's going to come down to a little bit of risk. What do you think, speaking of risk, about the first pick, the number one pick, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't agree with it, but I know what I think is going to happen. What do you think about Arizona at number one? Uh, it's so much in the air because you can go multiple ways, and looking at their team, it's, uh, one player is not going to fix all their problems if you watch them through the past years, but if they believe in Kyler and that's their guy, go with them. Once you start second-guessing, that's when you have regret. Well, I could have been this or could have been that. Every team who drafts is always scared to be the person that missed on a player or be scared to be uh, be a risk taker. So this is a business. you got to take risks. And if you feel like that's your guy, go get him. Because if you miss on your guy, that can set you back another five years. But if you don't think he's your guy, there's other ways you can do it. You can trade down. You can get other players and keep building up. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing when we come to where we are right now is that I think that, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent to, to what some people think out there. I think Kyler Murray's going to go number one. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a smoke screen. The whole, we don't want Kyler. I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury allegedly in recruiting missed on him once. He's got an opportunity to take him now without anybody taking him. It's a different type of thing now. This is not the recruiting that, you know, that we all know of, so to speak, you know, because now you could do whatever you want. This isn't about sending out information and letters and hopes and prayers and going to visit and and seeing if that person picks you. You have the control. You are the team. You have the number one pick. You can do what you want. So he can't miss on Kyler Murray twice unless Kyler Murray doesn't pan out. But it looks like new coach in this new system, what he's implementing in Arizona and he is going to get his guy, probably going with Kyler Murray. I think any thought uh, or news of, you know, oh, we're not going to do it, it's not going to happen, you know, I think I think that, you know, I've, I've heard it a million times, and I talked about it this week it, earlier on, that, you know, in the sports world you hear, we're not going to, it's not going to be this way, we promise, but the reality of it all is, I mean, they're going to do what they want to do, and there's a smoke screen with a lot of these things. I think Kyler Murray's going number one. But, Eric, you know, if that happens, when that happens tonight, I mean, we're seeing an Arizona Cardinals team that didn't give their head coach 365 days and didn't give their number, you know, first-round top draft pick, Josh Rosen, you know, a, a guy that was drafted early in the first round, they're not going to even give him 365 days at quarterback. What are your thoughts on the head coach and the quarterback of Arizona changing in less than a year's time? I think it's something going on in the management. Like, I, I played for Coach Wilkes when I was down in Carolina. He's a great guy, good motivator, straight to the point. And I like Coach Wilkes. That's why I was wondering, like, after one year, you can't give a person one year and just, what did you see in one year that was just like, no, this guy is out? Or even with the quarterback, they traded up to get Josh Rosen. Now you want to trade him away. So you wasted value picks to get a guy that you really didn't want. It makes absolutely no sense. What you guys got going on? Like, yeah. what's the game plan? That's the whole thing. Like, when you look in the division, they're the only team that's not sure about their quarterback. You got Jared Goff, you got Garoppolo, and Russell Wilson. So what's Arizona going to do? You drafted a quarterback. You didn't even give them a chance. Most quarterbacks struggle in their first year. If you really look at all the great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and all those guys struggled in their first year. But they progressively got better. You didn't even give the kid a chance. I would say if it was year three and you didn't see it, but – if you're just that so that Kyle is your guy, go get him. And it looks like that's, you know, what they want, allegedly, and it's going to be an interesting situation. Now, if Kyler Murray does go to Arizona, which I think that he will, then in this, I mean, and we, I guess we got to dive into this before I make this, the comment I was going to make is, you know, this guy was drafted in the top 10 in baseball. He was drafted in the Major League Baseball you know, draft recently here before he played his final season in college. He was drafted. He was a top 10 pick. He was number nine, you know, and he asked for more money and they gave him more money. He wanted more this and they gave him more this and more that and they gave him more that. I mean, this is a guy that was already drafted in the MLB to the Oakland A's. Now he, you know, he flips to the NFL. I'm looking at, you know, height as a potential issue. I'm looking at the fact that he's back and forth with baseball as a potential. I mean, it seems like the quarterback with the most, with the more issues than a Daniel, a Daniel Jones or a Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. I mean, from from 
playing baseball to number one pick? From which way is he going to go to number one pick? From the the best news that we got in the combine was that he's a little bit taller than we thought he was to number one pick. I mean, doesn't that seem strange that that a Dwayne Haskins or a Drew Locke or a Daniel Jones, I mean, these guys, you know, Daniel Jones may be a prototypical quarterback, Dwayne Haskins with 50 touchdowns to less than 10 interceptions and over 4,000 passing yards. Doesn't it seem a little strange that if there's going to be a number one pick, it would be a controversial one as opposed to somebody that on paper you can actually trust a little bit more? I think it was controversial from the beginning once they had the eye on Kyler because they made such a big thing about the height. Like, what so much was the two inches going to change? If he was 5'9", five, 5'11", five, what's that going to change? What type of player he is? And then with the baseball, I personally thought he should have played baseball, but I'm never going to tell nobody to deter their dreams just because of the longevity. But in this day, in the field now, you can play 20 years at quarterback with the rules protecting him so much. And I think they just think he's a fit for the dynamic of the league. Now everybody wants versatile quarterbacks that can be mobile and throw on the run because it's so hard to game plan for those guys. And then they draft. I mean, they uh, got Cliff Kingsbury, who didn't win that much in college, but they felt his system would work well in the NFL, so they want to get his personnel in, just like how colleges do when they hire a new coach. They want to get their recruits in. But it's just so much in the air. Maybe they didn't want to go to traditional quarterback like Haskins, right, because of uh, Cliff Kingsbury, because if they were going to go to traditional, they could just stay with Rosen, traded down, got more picks, or drafted a pass rusher or some more pieces they need for the team. But I guess they feel that Kyler Murray is going to be the fit that's going to put them over the top, but they still got so much work to do in personnel of getting guys around him to even make this system work. And we've never seen this system work in the NFL yet, so everything is still up in the air. Well, and my thing, too, is the fact that you have David Johnson, arguably – one of the top three running backs in the country who did almost nothing last year. So you have to think about, you know, what are you doing? How are you misusing him? Your offensive line, how are they blocking? Yeah, I mean, it's just, to me, it doesn't look, I mean, you got to address the issues that you have. You have to address your defensive issues. You have to address your offensive line, obviously, because your running back who's supposed to be really good, who I think has the capability of being a top three, top five guy, is not doing it. So, you know, and you drafted, with all due respect to Josh Rosen, he's 97 pounds soaking wet. I mean, you drafted a skinny guy, and you got nobody to block for him and protect him, and you're not handing the ball off, and Kingsbury likes to air it out, so David Johnson might not even necessarily fit in this offense, but you got one of the best running backs in the country. So, I mean, it sounds like Arizona is full of problems, full of issues, and bringing in a controversial quarterback that might have some issue with acclimating himself to the NFL just seems to make no sense. But, you know, it, it, we've seen it before in the NFL. Some teams that are bleeding out somehow, some way, cut their wound a little bit bigger, and I don't understand it. And the thing that's getting me about hiring Cliff Kingsbury, he didn't win on the college level, as we all can see. He had Patrick Mahomes, and we see now Patrick Mahomes is a stud, and you couldn't win over eight games at Texas Tech. With that quarterback, or you putting up a lot of points, but didn't win any games. So nobody ever brings that into play. Oh, you can score a lot of points, but you still got to win games. You can score 40 and still lose. Like, nobody's bringing his resume into play or seeing he's a winning coach. You're building around a coach who's never won at a collegiate level. So when have you ever been bad at a lower level and got better at the next level when you were that bad? It just don't add up. Like, you don't get, you don't suck at one thing. You just magically get better once you get a promotion. It's <laughs> a good point. It, it don't it don't make sense like that. Like uh, if you were just a regular employee and they promote you to manager, you you was a terrible employee. Now you're gonna be a great manager. It's just kind of a little iffy to me. But I don't want to not get a guy a chance or anything. It's just kind of nobody brings that into play. Like this guy didn't win in college. Yeah, you know it. It, it does. It makes it makes no sense to and it, it, it you know to and to go off of your point, you know. Why give somebody a promotion? Like if you have if you have a worker that's not doing a good job, like you said, why would you why would you think okay we're gonna promote them and when we promote them they're gonna show up on time they're gonna tuck their shirt in they're gonna be respectful you know that that's that's it doesn't it doesn't change if anything if you give a promotion to somebody who's not working that hard they'll go oh cool so I can continue to mail it in and I'm just gonna keep moving up the company doesn't make any sense so before we take a step aside here. I do want to make a note of this. So Kyler Murray goes to Arizona. Where does Josh Rosen go? Do they trade him on draft day? Do they trade him after? Do they trade him within this thing? What happens to Josh Rosen? Does he become a giant? 
Does he become a Raider? Where where do we see Josh Rosen go? Because I can't imagine. I mean, I know Arizona's made some stupid decisions lately, so maybe they keep them both. But let's let's say that they're smart enough to part ways with him because I wouldn't want to be there either if I was Josh Rosen. Where do you send Josh Rosen? Uh, I would personally like to see him go to the Giants because they can keep value. You're not going to have to give up a first-round pick. But if you draft a first-round quarterback, you still got so many holes on their team. That roster is depleted. Trade is your your best pass. You lost your two best pass rushers the last two years. Just lost your Pro Bowl safety. Lost your best weapon on offense. So you need more peace in the place. You got Saquon. So if you send Arizona a second or third round pick, you still got first two first round picks. Then you got Jabril Peppers back from the safety. So you can start building all your other positions and build the team up. Even if you need Josh Rosen to sit another year behind Eli because it seems like they won't let go of Eli. So you let him sit for another year, get some more experience. Then you don't have to give up all your value, whether you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round and sit him on the bench anyway. And you miss out on another potential skill player you can help build your roster with. Yeah, no, and I think it's a, I think it's a good decision. If I had to put my feet to the fire, you know, I've said it this week that I think you know the Giants would be best served to do it because you know Arizona is not going to get the value that they want for Rosen, and the Giants could get some value here, and then they can draft a defensive player early on and start to help themselves out in that respect, start to bolster up a defense that isn't scary by any stretch of the imagination, and then get your quarterback, get Josh Rosen, give him a second rounder, give him a third rounder, figure out what you need to do to make that happen and move forward. We were talking about Cliff Kingsbury, you know, falling upwards, so to speak, getting a promotion after getting a demotion. So it, it makes no sense, but Arizona hasn't made a lot of sense either lately. David Johnson doesn't get the ball. They fire a coach without giving him a year. Cliff Kingsbury gets a demotion and then a promotion. Kyler Murray looks like he's coming in after playing baseball. It makes absolutely no sense. The only thing that I know about Arizona is if your name is Larry Fitzgerald, they got your back. Everybody else is up on, I mean, you're stand, You're at the garage sale, okay? You are at the garage sale. Even David Johnson, I don't even think they know what they have in David Johnson. They love Larry Fitzgerald, and I respect Fitzgerald to know, I mean, he is one of the players that I really, 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 you know, just, I, I hope someday I get to, I got to be around him at, uh, at at the ESPN the weekend, the final year they did it at Hollywood Studios, but I would love to sit down and actually spend some time with him because I appreciate you know, how eloquently he speaks. I appreciate his education. I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, just the type of man that he is and how he carries himself like a professional. At the same time, I guess I'd have to ask him, why does Arizona know that you're a good player, but they can't seem to figure anything else out? So the second pick of the draft should be the first pick of the draft. And San Francisco is going to thank their in-division rival, Arizona. Do we even call them a rival? Are they going to be relevant? Who knows? But San Francisco gets to have a party for themselves because this is one of those times where being second feels like being first because they're going to get Nick Bosa. What do you think about this, Mr. Eric Kroom, that San Fran's about to fall into the number one pick? Oh, you know, I love pass rushers, but San Fran hasn't done a great job either. They've been climbing for the last five years, so they got to get a one of them. They drafted uh, the two guys from Oregon, Armstead and uh, Buckner, drafted Solomon Thomas. So, uh, like, if you over here on this pick, I don't know what to tell you, but I think he's a surefire guy. you got to show up the pass rush with those guys in the division, having Russell Wilson and potentially Kyler Murray. Also with Jared Goff and the explosive offense, so you need to get to the quarterback in this division. So I was like, it couldn't fall any better for those guys. I hope they don't trade down and try to get more picks because they got some talent on the team. So you might have a shot for Paris Rush so you can start shitting guys down that division. And we have to, you know, ultimately see, too, if we can keep, you know, we have to see Jimmy Garoppolo healthy. You know, that that's something we have not seen is a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo with San Fran, you know, that's going to play a full season. We have to see that. We have to see, I mean, this team was laden with injuries last year. Jarek McKinnon went down, Matt Breda. I mean, they, almost every single running back that they had on the squad, uh, Raheem Mostert went down as well. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo. So as we move forward, we have to see San Fran stay healthy on offense. But Nick Bosa on defense is going to be a terror to a lot of people. And I will say this. I think the second pick is going to take care of the first pick a bunch of times. I think that when we see Bosa play Murray, I don't think Kingsbury is going to be able to figure that one out. So, 
you know, it's going to be interesting that the the second pick of the draft, I think, is going to put the first pick of the draft on his back a few times. Oh, I agree, but that guy is kind of hard to get down. That guy is ultra quick. I'll get Tyler's credit. He's going to be hard to get down. He is going to be hard to get down, but if there is no offensive lineman protecting him, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a different world. So the third pick is the Jets. We know that they have Sam Darnold. I made the statement going into last season before he played a game that he would have, in my opinion, a Peyton Manning type of career where he would throw a lot of interceptions, not win a lot of games in year one, and then we would see him progress and move forward. He has Adam Gase as his head coach, and he is now moving forward with this team. The Jets have the third pick. I would venture to say they're going defense. They've spent some money on guys like C.J. Mosley and, and trying to bolster up that defense. What do you think about the Jets at pick number three? They don't need a franchise quarterback. They're not going to do what Arizona did, which is draft two and back-to-back years. So do they go defense? Do the Jets continue to improve the defensive side of the ball? I would pick Quentin Williams personally. For me, what I lost last year, he's the best player in college football. Just as a complete football player, he dominated games from the middle. Quentin Williams, he got a, a whole middle shut down for the next 10 years. So why won't you go to that thing? Oh, you, need some, you just need good pass rush on the outside. You don't need no spectacular because if you can push a pass from the middle, you can get a couple of sacks just off containing and doing your job with those guys in the middle. And you sign CJ Mosley. You got some good guys in the back end with Jamar Adams and a lot of young, young nucleus that you can build together and have this same nucleus for at least the next five years. So I would go Quinn and Williams, me personally. That coming from Eric Kroom and, and, and Eric, well, we kind of we we got what you got there a little bit, but I told I told him off the air. I said, "Shout, brother!" Because <laughs> <laughs> so we we got you a little bit here. So pick number four is the Oakland Raiders. Does John Gruden fight John Gruden? And which one wins? Does the one win who's the quarterback collector? Or does the one win that actually wants to use the fourth pick for something positive? And does he do something crazy and try to draft a linebacker who can lead his team when he let one go that was leading them already? Khalil Mack out the door. But what does he do now? Does he try to find a Khalil Mack? Does he go to the defensive line? Does he draft a quarterback? Which John Gruden is going to win this fight, in your opinion? Who knows with that guy? Because it depends on how sold he is on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is his guy. You got to go defense because they're defense. They have no pass rush at all. They, I think they were 13, minus 13 from the sec, the 2019 sacks. They were last in the league. You trade the one of the best defensive players in the league and say you don't have a pass rush, which is blasphemous to me. Because you traded, I would say a Hall, of, a potential Hall of Fame. I see it now. I'm gonna I think he'll be a Hall of Fame when his career is done. And since he don't have a pass rush, so if you have to go pass rush. I would say probably Josh Allen. But if you want to shoot up your middle, I love Devin White from LSU. You can play all over the field, sideline to sideline. Because there's so many good defensive players in this draft, you might be able to catch another D lineman later in the first round. But that would be my two guys for that pick. Yeah, you know, and, and I think he's got to go defense on this. I've said that Tampa at pick number five is not smart enough to draft Evan White. What do you think they'll do? I was thinking that early. I think they should definitely go Devin White, him and Devontae David, or they can get some more pass rush off the edge. It would be those two. Whoever the Raiders don't pick at that fourth pick, they should get the next pick between those two guys, in my opinion. You get Josh Allen coming off the edge with Jerome McCoy and some of those guys, or – you can get Devin White to shoot up the middle, and you have him and Levante David running around, and they'll change up the system with Ty Bowles as well, so that would be a good linebacking core as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I just, I don't know. I don't see Tampa at number five taking Devin White. I don't see it. Ha- I see him for what I, I mean, and, and when I say it, let me, you know, to the Tampa fans that are out there, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't think that Tampa, and when I say is intelligent enough, they've kept Jameis Winston, okay, through through trying to sexually, allegedly a sexually assault an Uber driver, which sounds like the beginning of a really crazy movie that's like The Hangover Part 4 or something like that. <laughs> it makes no sense. You know, this is a guy who was shooting people allegedly with a BB gun, stealing crab legs, was brought up on a case of potential sexual assault in college, then then brought up about it again with the Uber driver. And, and this, I mean, you have, you have gotten rid of people in your front office. You've gotten rid of your head coach. You've kept him. I want to know how many people are going to lose their job while Jameis Winston keeps his. So... 
You know, that's where I'm talking about the intelligence. I mean, Tampa just seems to make some good picks here, there, but at the end of the day, they're in a division where the Saints are smarter, the Panthers, albeit up and down, have smarter decisions that they make at times, and the Falcons obviously have, you know, a lot of offense and bolster up their defense, have something to give out there. So I, I just, I don't know. I don't see them drafting Devin White. Now, I'll tell you the team that I think should draft Devin White but nobody's got them doing it in their mock drafts that, I, that I've been seeing. But before we get there, let's go here. The Giants, some say they're taking Dwayne Haskins. Others say they're taking Drew Locke. And still some say they're going defense. Maybe they draft the first Clemson player off the board in Christian Wilkins. Where do you think the Giants go? Well, if they don't trade for Rose, you got to go quarterback. Because you already got your first uh, running back. Now you got to have a great quarterback. You can't win this league without a great quarterback. We see that every Sunday. No, so I mean, I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, I mean, I think they're going to trade for Rosen, so then they have to go defense here, but if they don't, then Dwayne Haskins is going to fall into their lap. So, you know, Christian Wilkins, I do think will, I mean, obviously a bunch of the guys are going to go from Clemson. Pick number seven, Jawan Taylor is what a lot of people have here. Offensive tackle. The Jaguars have Cam Robinson, who they spent a lot of money on at left tackle. They spent a lot of money to get in in the open area, the free agency period. Last year, left guard Andrew Norwell take him away from Carolina. Spent a lot of bread on him. Brandon Meester at center has been there forever in a day. A.J. Can, the right guard, the only offensive starting lineman for the Jaguars last year that stayed healthy for the most part. But they parted ways with Jeremy Parnell, who they originally got from the Cowboys. So there's the thought that they're going to bring him in and put him at, at right tackle and shore up this line and that they're going to you know, get some guys behind them so that they can make sure that they bolster up the offensive line. I think they should go Devin White because they never had a plan for Paul Puzlesny retiring. They moved Miles Jack inside when he was playing well outside. Telvin Smith is obviously still outside, but they didn't have a true inside linebacker, so then they had to go and find Jake Ryan this year. Then they got Leon Jacobs last year. They had Blair Brown, but really nobody who was set up to take over, no one to pass the torch to. I want to see Devin White because he's built like a chain-link fence, and so is Paul Puzlesny. Some people say it's Jawan Taylor, and they're going to go offensive line and try and make sure that they ha that they have two first-rounders on the tackle positions and then a lot of veteran status on the inside of the line. What do you think about it? I didn't think about that Devin White pick. That would actually be a great pick. They would have the fastest linebacker court in the NFL. And everybody will be under the what, age of 27. Like when I was down in Jacksonville, Trevor Smith can run all day. So instead of going, they already spent so much money in the offensive line, I would go Devin White too if he's still available because I think he would be the best player on the board at that point. I think he should be a top five pick. He runs a 4-4 built. He reminds me of Patrick Willis, a young Patrick Willis. And you pair him with Miles Jack and Trevor Smith, they sideline to sideline all day, especially with those guys on the D-line and the corners you got the back end. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's, I think, I think if they had that, you look at Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boye, Miles Jack, Devin White, Telvin Smith, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, we're we're looking at arguably the best defense in the country on paper. If you look at something like that, now one of my longtime listeners is a Lions fan. They have pick number eight, and he asked me to do this. He wants the official drum roll, please. So. We're going to give him the drum roll. We're going to make it happen for him. So the Lions, who are they picking with pick number eight? I've seen that some, you know, my, my so my longtime listener, Johnny, he wants a defensive back. I'm seeing tight end go. I can't, and this is no disrespect to, to the position at all. I just can't see it in the first top ten picks that a tight end would go. But some people say TJ Hawkinson. 
What do you think about this? Matt Patricia is a defensive guy, second season since leaving the Patriots because he actually left. Remember when Josh McDaniels said he was going to, but he didn't do it, and your word means everything. So I would never trust Josh McDaniels with like promising to give me a, a straw. So TJ Hawkinson is what some people have. Patricia actually left when he said he was going to. He's trying to turn this Lions team around. What does he do? Does he go defense because he's a defensive coach, or does he go offense? Where does he go? And then Johnny just said trade back, then DB to pair with Slay is what he wants. What do you think the Detroit Lions do with the eighth pick of the NFL draft? Uh, I kind of agree with Johnny because I think they need DB help more than anything. They just signed Jesse James from Pittsburgh, and the last time they drafted a tight end in the top 10, it didn't work out well. And they had E. Brown, even though he's first in Indianapolis, I don't think they used the tight end well in their scheme. And back as well, and then they can get open and get some catches. Everybody's not going to be a Travis Kelsey or a Gronk. So if you think this guy is of that caliber, uh, you should go get him. Hawkinson, he, he's a stud. If you think he's your guy, go get him. But I think they need defensive backup more than anything. Well, I mean, division. Yeah, no, and when you look at it, you know, really, I mean, for me, it comes down to kind of figuring that. I mean, they have a first-round draft pick in 2017, and Gerard Davis uh, out of Florida. So, you know, obviously, you know, he's a guy. But but their other starting linebackers right now were free agent moves. They got free agent uh, Devin Kennard from the Giants in 2018. They got Christian Jones as a free agent from Chicago in 2018. And so the only one that they had drafted or gotten high or traded for or anything like that is uh, Gerard Davis. And outside of that, you know, you look at you look at some of these guys, like obviously Slay is there on one end. Then you got Justin Coleman right now and, and trying to figure out how you're going to really make this defense impose its will on somebody. You know, I think offensively, I mean, you got Matt Stafford, you, and you have 72 running backs. They have on Johnson, Theo Riddick, C.J. Anderson, Zach Zenner, Kerwin Williams, Mark Thompson – it's like, oh my good Lord Jesus. And then they have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and they brought in Dan. I was about to say, who's the number one receiver? Kenny Galladay right now. Well, I would say Marvin Jones based on output, but Kenny Galladay has got more upside right now. Yeah, those guys are good, but put them on any other. Are they a number one receiver? I'm not trying to knock them down anything, but you should consider those guys number no. one receiver. No. I, th- I think if Marvin Jones is on another team, he's a two. I think if Galladay is on another team that has depth, he's a two. I think Amendola is on his last leg, but you know he's he's going to play for Matt Patricia, who you know obviously knows him very well from the Patriots. So you know, I mean, ultimately, I think that they have to draft a, a, a wide receiver at some point in this draft. But I think with that top eight pick, you know, they could go crazy. They they could go. I mean, they could draft a wide receiver early. They could go for a DK Metcalf or, or something like that. Johnny doesn't think Theo Riddick's going to be there after the draft, but you know we could see kind of you know them maybe take the first wide receiver, but ultimately, you know I think that they have to go defense. If they do trade down and they grab themselves an extra pick, then they could get a DB and a wide receiver, and you know they can go from there with that piece. The Buffalo Bills have picked number nine. The Bills have brought in new offensive linemen. They've brought in new running backs. They've brought in new wide receivers. They have Josh Allen, who's got a hell of an arm, and he can run better than people expected him, including me, to be able to do. So I'm thinking they got to go defense here. Some of the some of the things have them going. T.J. Hawkinson at tight end. I don't see that because they just brought in Tyler Croft from Cincinnati, and he's young. I don't see them going offensive line when they just brought in offensive linemen. So where do you see Buffalo going? I think Buffalo needs to go defense. Their defense doesn't scare me at all. So what do you think about this? Uh, I think they should go pass rush. I like uh, Montez Sweat as well. You pair with Jerry Hughes and the original Alexander. You got a uh, star in the inside, so you got a nice nucleus of front seven guys that can get you the quarterback, especially with Tom Brady still playing at such a high level. And then uh, you got up and coming Sam Donald and the weapons they just got with Ad Le'Veon and those guys to the crew. So you get a better pass rush in that division. So I would go pass rusher, or if they want to sure up. The uh, secondary even more because they got uh, Tredavious White and Micah Hyde and get another corner. They can go there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think for you, and I'm in agreement with you that I think that they have to go defense on this. You know, Buffalo is going to have to shift to that side. They've made some moves. I want to make mention of of some of those moves that you know they've obviously brought in. They brought in TJ. Well, this is the funny. This is the funny thing. Two years ago, 
So last season, they brought in Chris Ivory, and that you know he was with the Jaguars, didn't do anything for the Jaguars. They brought him in to Buffalo. He did nothing. Now they have TJ Yeldon, who did okay, but not too much for the Jaguars, and they just brought him in on a two-year contract. They have LaShawn McCoy. They have TJ Yeldon, Marcus Murphy, who got some time last year with a lot of injuries, and the man who somehow, someway, is 102 years old and still going strong, Frank Gore, is still playing football. He is still playing football. So they brought him in. Then they have Zay Jones, who they drafted in the second round, 2017, who I hope pans out with a quarterback that can actually throw down the field. I would love to see Zay Jones be successful. I covered him at East Carolina. So personally and professionally, I would love to see him move forward. And then we have John Brown, who is coming over from spending a year with Baltimore. Cole Beasley, who is good to have here. One of those guys that's unafraid to get hit, go across the middle, coming from the Dallas Cowboys. And then after that, it's just a a bunch of guys trying to find a roster spot. In my opinion, Robert Foster, Andre Roberts, Ray Ray McLeod, and so on and so forth. So, you know, for Buffalo, I think they have to go defense. They'll draft a, a, a wide receiver at some point here. I think they could go wide receiver. We did get a message in, maybe DK Metcalf. I would go defense. Kroom would go defense. But I wouldn't be surprised if they draft the first wide receiver in this year's draft. Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke? Pick number 10 is Denver. And we know that John Elway has been trying to find a quarterback. We've seen Denver have Tim Tebow. We've seen Peyton Manning. We've seen Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Brock Osweiler again. We've seen Case Keenum. We've seen Trevor Simeon. Now they have Joe Flacco, but it looks like they're going to draft a quarterback. Has Denver essentially become the quarterback collector of modern day, and who do they take at number 10? I wouldn't take a quarterback because he hasn't done good at drafting quarterbacks. I just don't see a surefire franchise shaver. Let's trade it for Flacco for the the near future, maybe a year or two, and you just uh, send it to Mary Thomas. Why won't you go with Scott Corlinson, put Emmanuel Sanders back in the slot, get Metcalf, or add more to the defense? That's what one-year championship, having a, uh, a high-level uh, defense. So you already got Chubb with uh, Von Miller. You can go linebacker because they released Brandon Marshall, or you can get some more secondary help. So I wouldn't particularly pick a quarterback at that at that number 10 pick unless you just saw he's going to be that guy. We've seen recently his quarterback pitch haven't been that good. So I wouldn't go personally quarterback. I think he's going to. I think this is one of those Arizona situations where it's, you know, whether it makes sense or not, I think it's going to happen. So, I mean, I could see them going with Drew Locke, but if Dwayne Haskins falls to them, which he very well could if the Giants don't take it, you know, I don't know how you pass on Dwayne Haskins. I don't know how Dwayne Haskins, you know, falls – and you don't take don't take a chance on him. So I mean, he if he's out there, just saying. He would be the only quarterback I, I would take at that pick. I'm not holding the quarterback class like I was last year. No, it, I don't see franchise quarterbacks in this round. Probably besides Murray and Haskins, the other guys have potential. But I see those guys maybe just being like good NFL starters, but superstars or star quarterback. I don't see it with this draft class. And, and but to me, it would be crazy if Haskins continues to fall down here. Imagine if he fell to thirteen to Miami. Could be something there for them. But the the overall consensus to stay with quarterbacks here before we wrap up the first hour with Eric Kroom here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Syracuse and NFL alum, also a tremendous person and a very proud father. Daniel Jones. I no matter what mock draft I look at, because I like to see what other people are saying here. Every single mock draft has Daniel Jones going to the Redskins in the first round. What do you think? Uh, that would be a good pick, especially with uh, Alex Future, uh, Alex in the future up in the air. You want to get an insurance package and uh, have some building towards the future. And they have a lot of homes. They make some good free agent signs. They signed Atlanta College, and they got some good pieces on that team. So quarterbacks, maybe we'll put them over the top. And then if Alex Smith comes back healthy, he does have a chance to learn from a veteran guy who has mentored young quarterbacks like Mahomes in the past, and even Colin Kaepernick to some extent, so that probably will be a good fit for him. But I'm kind of iffy that the uh, president says he's going to make the pick, so you're kind of not even consulting your personnel as well, so it's going to be like, who you like? I'm not with that. If we're a team, we need to make this pick together and I feel comfortable about it. Absolutely, and, and, and when we look at the depth at defensive line, I want to shift to that side here. 
because there's so many D linemen out there, you know, we, we still have Ed Oliver. We, st- you know, Montez Sweat. You brought up uh, Cleland Farrell still out there. Brian Burns. We'll we'll start Rashawn Gary. There's so many Dexter Lawrence are going to be out there. I mean, we could see some of these guys dip to the latter part of the first round just because of the depth. What do you think about that? I mean, if you're a team that's drafting later on in the 20s, you're still going to hit on potentially a, a very good defensive lineman. Yeah, this is a D-line rich draft. That's why I said the uh, Giants can feel some pieces. They still can get a great defensive lineman at pick 17 if they want to go quarterback or they want to go another position at six because it's still going to be a plethora of guys. Like I've seen uh, Gary been forward lately. He's supremely talented, but it's the Dutch and do massive talent. You got Ed Oliver, who I think is a stud. I don't know why he's falling. He was the potential number one pick from the beginning of the year. He just dropped that fast because of injuries or whatever the defense was. And you got the guys all from prison who are the studs. So it's such a D-line rich draft. You can get a potential Pro Bowl player in the mid-teens to 20 area, which is going to be a spectacular pick. Later down the line, you can get somebody to push the pocket and rest the pass in this league. And I got to ask you this, uh, the final piece here, where does Greedy Williams go? I mean, Greedy Williams, to me, could be a top 10, top 12 type of pick, but in some of these mocks, he's fallen in the 20s. Greedy Williams coming out of LSU is a corner, and he's going to bring something to somebody. He could be one of those you know, picks that, that falls, one of those guys that drops here. What do you think about Greedy Williams, you know, and the fact that he could actually fall into somebody's lap late in the first round as well? Uh, I actually wanted in the line to get Greedy Williams. You got two fast, long guys, a long arm, six-foot corners in that division because you can compare Aaron Rodgers and you got the two receivers from Minnesota, D.H. and Thielen with the home weapon. So you get two corners and you just had Trey Flowers with the pass rush and you probably can get another pass rush in the second round. And now you've got your defense solidified from back end and front end. And with that, that speed and that length, is, and even if you look at LSU's lineage of quarterbacks, they all mostly produce in the NFL, maybe besides what Morris Claiborne that didn't pan out to where everybody expected, but everybody else really does well when they transfer to the next level from LSU. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. And how can you pass on a corner whose name is Greedy? So, I mean, to me, you got to go after something like that. With that being said, that is first-round talk with Eric Kroom. And, obviously, we have so much more coming up. Kroom, you know i got to have you back on very, very soon here. we got a lot to discuss. The draft happens today, Thursday, April 25th. Round number one starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Rounds two and three start on Friday, April 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and on Saturday, April 27th, starting at noon Eastern Time, rounds 4 through 7. And, of course, this gentleman will be back on the show to talk with me about a lot of stuff. I appreciate it, as always, Eric, and I thank you so much for being a part of the show. No problems. Talk to you soon. I will be texting you during the draft. Everybody listen to this great talk for the rest of the day. Get some draft insight. All right, I appreciate it, brother. I'll talk with you soon.